It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Across the UK, online and on DAB. A mid-morning dance with the devil. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Get up to the minute news flashes, instant reaction and expert analysis from some of the biggest names in Westminster. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We are coming to you live from College Green on Westminster. Of course, it's a very sunny day. It's a beautiful day. It's quite cold, uh, but there's plenty going on. Behind me, in the Palace of Westminster, there's all kinds of machinations. There's all kinds of dodgy people doing dodgy deals. There's all kinds of honest people doing dodgy deals. There's all kinds of dodgy deals going on everywhere you look. The bottom line is, it's all about the meaningful vote tomorrow, which takes place literally tomorrow evening. Uh, Theresa May will probably lose it, but there will be loads of amendments tacked onto it. People are hammering all sorts of things together at the moment. Yvette Cooper wants to rule out a no-deal Brexit. Uh, We've got all sorts of other people like Dominic Grieve trying to get Parliament to take back control. Boris Johnson has written in the Daily Telegraph today in his column uh, that Theresa May is rolling up her sleeves, pushing her spectacles up her nose and preparing to fight the Brussels bureaucrats. We don't know whether any of that is going to happen. What we do know is that over the next three hours we will bring you the best of the political debate that you can get in this country. We're the only people down here on the radio, live from Westminster, telling you absolutely like it is. I'm joined by Neil Wallace, uh, coming up very shortly, former newspaper editor and political pundit, of course, and media consultant as well. Ross Kempster will join us. He's the talk radio political editor. I'm Mike Graham. This is the Independent Republic. You don't want to miss any of this. The fallout, the fury, the future. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster. On Talk Radio. So the last time we were down here, this is what I said. I said we are coming live this morning from College Green in the shadow of Westminster in what is the biggest week in the recent history of British politics this century. Well, that was the last time we were here. Uh, I could say exactly the same thing this week because this is another massive week in the history of British politics because we've got a load of Remainers over in the Houses of Parliament there trying to stop Brexit from happening. Uh, And I don't think that's a very good idea at all. And I want to hear from you guys, 0344 499 1000. We'll be trying to test the waters. We'll be trying to test the temperature of exactly what is going to happen over the next 48 hours. My belief is uh, that we will probably find that we've got much, much more negotiating to do with the European Union, that Theresa May will still be trying to get something Uh, out of Claude Juncker, uh, out of uh, Mr Donald Tusk and various others, Barnier as well. Uh, The game is still afoot. The game is not yet over. And to help us try and figure out precisely what is going to happen, Neil Wallace is joining me this morning, former newspaper editor, former Fleet Street colleague of mine in some ways as well, although we probably best not talk too much about that, Neil. Uh, (laughs) Welcome. And uh, here we 
are in the uh, talk radio tent of shame, as I like to call it. And justifiably, I'm sure. <laughs> Indeed. Oh, it's a bit chilly, and I'm sorry for dragging you out here at this ungodly hour of the morning, but um, it's a fascinating sort of play, game-playing scenario that we seem to be finding ourselves in. Nobody can really predict what's going to happen. What's your take on it? I, I think the overwhelming feeling is if, you, if you've read the papers this weekend, if you've looked at it, what you've seen is a tsunami of people wanting to stop something. Mm. And the problem is nobody's in favour of anything apart from uh, Her Holiness Queen May. Yes. Now, and not many people well, agree you say with that, her. But what is she in favour of exactly? Well, I think one of the great problems with that is that she is at heart a Remainer mm. and she's trying to remain uh, to negotiate something she doesn't greatly believe in. And I think that's why we're in this mess. Yes. She should never have been in the position or allowed herself to get into the position where she took control of the negotiation. And that's what happened. And if she'd left it to Brexiteers, people who believed in this stuff, yeah. maybe it would have been different. It would not be in this place. But we are where we are now. And what you have seen... What, there is no doubt to me at all that you have a whole tidal wave of MPs who are simply, all these amendments we're going to be talking about, in the main, they're designed to stop Brexit. No, I think you're absolutely right. And I think the people of this country have worked that out for themselves. Absolutely because one of the right. reasons why we are in this pr problematic situation is not because there's no sort of, you know, acceptance in the wider world out there, in the, in the, in the high street, that actually we want to leave the European Union. It's only because of what's going on inside the palace of Westminster, because they can't agree with each other. Yeah, and what you've seen more and more and more is people... I, I've seen this in my timeline on Twitter, that there are people who are saying, I voted for Rain, but you know what? I'm sick to death mm. of this. I'm I'm sick to death of what Europe are doing. I'm sick to death of our pusillanimous. Uh, I nearly said that properly. That's a good word, though. <laughs> it's Very a long good. Word Very for unusual this for this morning. station. I can tell you that. <laughs> but uh, MPs really uh, ignoring what has happened in the country out there. Mm. And that was a vote to leave. And they come up with excuses about this, excuses about that. But all these amendments are designed to stop it happening. You look at the Yvette Cooper thing, yeah. right? What is she doing? She wants to, at the very least, her thing, wants to kick it down the road for yeah. another nine months. Does anybody listen to this station, anybody in that palace of Westminster, anybody in this country, seriously believe it's going to be different if we simply delay for another nine months? Well, it's months? going to be horrendous, You'll be here, it? Mike. It's going to be horrendous. We'll be having the same conversation uh, month after month after month after month. And yeah. one of the things that I was cheered by, in fact, when we came here the last time, when the first uh, meaningful vote took place, which May lost, of course, dramatically by 230 yeah. votes, was that it felt as though we were finally getting somewhere. You know, and even those of us who want a particular outcome, whether it be remain, whether it be leave, whether it be a no-deal Brexit or something, it felt like we were suddenly getting somewhere. And now it feels as though the wheels are spinning again, and all of these amendments, including the one uh, from, from Graham Brady, the, uh, the chair of the 1922 committee, uh, who's basically trying to get rid of the Irish backstop, which everyone else is saying is impossible. Um, you know, it's all just more delaying tactics, isn't it? Delay, delay, delay. And you know, what they're trying to do, I think, is exhaust the British public. Mm. I, the problem is they live in this Westminster bubble behind us. Yeah. You know, and if you actually go out there, I spent a lot of time in Cornwall, I spent a lot of time in Manchester. Yeah. And uh, actually the rest of the world, the real world, outside this bubble, apart, outside this metropolitan uh, elite world where they talk to themselves people out there are fed up with it and they cannot understand why it has not 
worked. No, exactly. And the reason it hasn't worked is very clear. Uh, as I said earlier, it's because they don't want it to work exactly. and they are doing their level best to put a block into every single conversation that anybody has. Because one of the things I wanted to ask you about was over the weekend, we've had some development on the whole Northern Ireland backstop problem, right? Because we're being told, I mean, we were certainly told over, over, over the time the last vote happened, that if she was able to, if Theresa May was able to somehow get a time limit on the backstop, somehow making it come to an end in 2021 or 2022, then a lot of Tory MPs who so far have voted against her would vote with her. This is what Graham Brady's thing uh, amendment is trying yeah. to do. Um, on the, in the meantime, there seems to be an awful lot of activity over in Ireland now. You know, we've heard from their Prime Minister, their Taoiseach, saying that, you know, there's absolutely no way uh, that, that Ireland and, and, and the rest of the United Kingdom can in some way do a separate deal to the one that's done in Europe. The Europeans are saying, oh, well, of course, you know, there's no way that you can uh, have a backstop disappear because it's a guarantee that we don't have a hard border. For those people out there who don't understand what the whole hard border scenario means, tell them, because you spent a lot of time in Ulster, haven't you? Yeah, I, as a reporter, I spent a lot of time there during the Troubles, and I've spent a lot of time there since. Yeah. And what baffles me, completely baffles me, is there has not been a hard border there for donkey's years now. Yeah. And, you know, what you have to remember about the um, the peace accord in Northern Ireland, right, what did it stem from? It Everybody gives credit to Blair and Major, quite rightly, yes, they engineered, but you know why it really happened? Because the people of Northern Ireland, the people of the island of Ireland, no longer wanted to support the terrorism. Mm. They lost their power, yeah. and that's what really happened. Do we really think, I know the terrible thing happened in Derry the other day, do we really think the people there want to go back to those days i don't believe they do and the other thing is the irish who i mean the irish government amazed me because ireland is in severe danger of being the big victims in all of this yeah. they're being played by the eu as a as a toy really mm. to try to batter us um who is sending troops to the border we're not going to do no. it why well, would we do it? There isn't anyone that wants a hard border. The Europeans don't want one. The Irish the, uh, in the Republic don't want one. The Irish in the northern part of Ireland don't want one. The British government doesn't want one. There won't be one. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster. Order! With rapier-sharp instant reaction from some of the biggest names in politics and journalism on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We're live in Westminster. We're down on College Green uh, in the media village, in the tented village. We've got our own tent, of course. We've got our own chairs. Uh, we've got our own lights. We've got our own TV. Uh, we've got our own broadcasting network. Uh, what we haven't got is a heater, unfortunately, but there we are. It's going to snow tomorrow, uh, so that should be interesting, but we shall see uh, how we get through it. We're going to take loads of your calls throughout the course of the show. We've got loads of people to talk to as well. 0344 499 as Ross Kempsell uh, was just explaining. Today is the day for uh, a bit of job jockeying for position. Uh, we won't find out until tomorrow, he told us, uh, exactly what amendments are going to be tacked on uh, to the Brexit bill, which everyone's going to vote on tomorrow night. Uh, I'm joined now by Matthew Doyle, former special advisor to Prime Minister Tony Blair. Matthew, very good morning to you. Welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for joining us. Now, um, you might think, if you were an outside observer, uh, that basically the sort of the people's vote, which, which Tony Blair and many other yeah. members of his former uh, sort of administration are backing, uh, has died a death. But um, they may live to fight another day, is, is what I'm hearing now. So tell us where we are with the kind of uh, the whole Yvette Cooper amendment and you know, exactly whether that's going to lead to a second referendum. What is going on? 
Right, there was a slight flurry last week of people wanting to declare the People's Vote campaign dead yeah. when Chukramana and Sarah Wollaston came out and did that press conference saying yeah. that they weren't moving the People's Vote amendment tomorrow. But I think what they realised is what actually the People's Vote campaign themselves have been saying, and that is that the honest answer is we're only going to get to a People's Vote campaign once every other option has been exhausted. Mm. And as long as there are the sort of shenanigans that are going on tomorrow with people trying to think, well, are the ways that we can amend Theresa May's deal or how can we avoid uh, no deal being on the table, which is the purpose of the Yvette Cooper amendment you referenced, then the reality is that I think the People's Vote campaign will only really get the numbers to get over the line when two things happen. One, when Jeremy Corbyn finally comes off the fence and actually follows what Labour Party members want, and that is to endorse it. And secondly, I think when MPs recognise that every other option has been exhausted and therefore this is the only way that they can break the deadlock. But surely if every other option is exhausted come March the 29th, um, then the law says that we leave the European Union without a deal, doesn't it? Well, that's the purpose of Yvette Cooper's amendment tomorrow that she's bringing with Nick Bowles. Now, tomorrow's vote is not, sorry to get into the jargon, but is not a meaningful vote as no. the last one was, as in it is not binding. Is it a meaningless vote? No, it's that's not. That's what I'm calling it's it. It's not quite meaningless because... <laughs> What the Yvette Cooper and Nick Bowles amendment means is that is the one element of tomorrow that is binding, and it's binding in this sense. There would have to be a piece of legislation brought back for a specific vote on February the 5th to avoid there being the sort of no-deal Brexit that you just referred to. So most of tomorrow is indicative. The one tangible outcome is the potential for Parliament to actually be able to put down in law this idea that they do want to ensure that there can't be such a thing as a no-deal Brexit. Now, a lot of people that speak to me on this radio show, people that, uh, that, that, I, that I talk to on a regular basis, some people I talk to on a very irregular basis, you know, they would, they are very much of the impression that they're, the people who are putting all these amendments down, the people who are arguing the case in Parliament, they're all people who don't actually want us to leave the European Union, and that, that it's all a really a bit of a fig leaf for them. Uh, they're, they're, they're sort of unnecessarily complicating the procedure in order to get what they want, which is inevitably uh, the, uh, against what was decided by the referendum. Well, that's, I think, the crux of this. And you're, you're right to raise it, because I think, frankly, some of the politicians probably should be more direct with their constituents, because the honest answer is, you're right. The majority of members of parliament think that leaving the European Union is a bad idea for this country. Now, the question is, what do they do about that, and how do they conduct this debate? And I personally would take the view that if you are a member of parliament, if you know that a decision is in the worst interests of your constituents, how can you go ahead with that on the basis of simply being able to say, well, there was this vote in 2016? Now, that's not to, d to dismiss the referendum, but it is to say, look, we now know what the reality of Brexit is. What is the harm in going back to the public and saying, can I just check that this is what you still want to go ahead with now that we know the terms of the deal? And you know, I don't think it's guaranteed by for any means that if there was another vote that Remain would win it, that you'd get a, di that you'd get a different would. result. But I think regardless, you know, my personal view is that absolutely I would hope that we get a different outcome. But even if I don't think it's guaranteed that we would get a different outcome, I do still think it's right to go back to the public 
given the difference between... But it's never happened before. There is no precedent for going back to the public to to double-check that they wanted something. I mean, nobody... You know, when you have a general election, you then have another general election. You don't go back on the first general election and say, did you really mean to vote for Tony Blair in 1997? And did you really mean to get him involved in invading Iraq? Because we didn't actually think that's what we were voting for. You know, the whole point of politics is that it is of the moment. Surely you vote for somebody at the time that you vote for them, and they then get elected to do whatever it is that they do. Then, if you don't like that, there's another election, and you can kick them out. But you don't un- you don't un- ra- unravel what they were voted in to do. Whereas what well, you're I don't agree for, with that. If you look well, it doesn't at, matter whether you agree with me. Labor... The simple state of no, affairs it's not. is. It's well, not. No, it's not. If you look at the policies. Simple, no, the simple state of affairs is you don't unravel what happened. You have another election. You can change what happened, but you don't say, I just want to double-check that, you know, when you voted for us three years ago, you wanted us to do all this stuff. Well, that's a distinction without a difference. Look, no parliament can bind its successor. I don't know what that means. Well, what I mean is that you're saying that somehow no parliament can bind its successor is the reality of the system that we have in this country. So, of course, you have situations where... Uh, government A will legislate for something, and then Government B comes in and reverses yes. it. That happens all the time. Well, it doesn't happen that often, well, enough, it, but, it, but it happens from time to time. But that only happens after something uh, as, as as sort of important as an as, as an election, right? Right. And, and my one, argument and is we should have another election in this yeah, situation. Yeah, but we haven't because, enacted the first one. But be, this is like because you, the promises. Like are, no, this yeah, is like you electing a government. Because the promises of 2016 right? cannot be implemented. Look, what has the last well, no, two years shown us? It's only because the parliament doesn't want to implement it. You just agreed with me. No, it is because of the situation that the, the Prime Minister has got into with a combination of the red lines that she has chosen to have with the approach that we've had to the European Union in these negotiations. The European Union has been entirely consistent throughout this process of the issues that are concerned to them. They haven't changed their position throughout all of this. you know. And so therefore now it is clear that the promises of the 2016 man, uh, ge- um, referendum cannot be delivered. It's absolutely right that we go back to people and say, look, this is the reality of what Brexit is going to be like. Can we just check this is something you want to go ahead with? Yeah, it seems entirely logical. Yeah, right. and well, let me, it may let me well ask be people vote question. to leave again. Let me ask you another question. If the people vote to leave again, what evidence is there that the people in the uh, Palace of Westminster behind us here will, will take any notice of that? Because they're not taking any damn notice of the first referendum. Why should they take notice of the second one? They still don't want to leave the European Union, and they'll still say it's bad for the country, and they'll still fight it. But the problem with your argument is that there wasn't a specific manifesto as to what leaving the European Union in 2016 meant. You had all sorts of different bits of the Leave campaign arguing different things, whether it meant we were going to be Norway, whether it meant we were going to be Switzerland, whether it meant we were going to be South Korea. You know, I can dig out all of the quotes, as you well know them for yourself, from that time of people arguing different positions. People campaign about things which they quite often don't deliver. Yeah, but you see... You know that better than I do. This is where there is a very interesting distinction. Look at what happened in the Scottish referendum. When you had the Scottish referendum... The Scottish government was making the case for independence. It had to produce a detailed white paper that set out exactly the terms of independence. It literally covered everything, including would Scotland have a place in the Eurovision Song Contest once there was independence. (laughs) What was the answer to that? They would, because they argued that they'd become an independent member of the European Uh Broadcasting Union. But but what the, the point is, there was never a similar document, a similar proposal, a similar level of scrutiny 
of a specific set of proposals of what leaving meant in 2016. Now, I fully recognise people voted to leave. They clearly wanted out of the political institutions. They clearly, for a lot of people, had concerns about free movement and the way that was operating. I absolutely get that, and I do not dismiss those concerns whatsoever. However, what we have to also look at is the reality of what is actually achievable and what is actually in our country's best interest. And that's why I don't think it's wrong for the MPs to turn around and say, look, I totally get that my constituents voted to leave. However, I'm just telling you, if we're not in the customs union, if we're not in the single market, the damage that will do to jobs, to public services, to everything else that people care about and were many of the drivers for people voting to leave but we've only got their word solved. for that we've only got their word for that and we can't go on any longer i'm afraid because okay. we're out of time but it's a very good argument that we're having and i'm fascinated well i'll by be happy to come back and do it again well i'd be loving i'd love to you just come back and do it again because my belief is firmly and i'm going to have the last word because <laughs> it's, yeah. it's my show uh they, 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 they will not be convinced by any other sec second referendum result unless it's a remain result because they they will say exactly the same things as you're saying now they'll still say it's bad for the country they'll still say it's bad for the people they'll still say it's a bad idea generally and they will do their level best to stop it from being enacted and that's my belief and that's the belief of most people in this country i don't agree thank you uh this is talk radio this is what you get it's all brilliant stuff uh matthew doyle their former advisor to uh tony blair if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery think again juvederm volux xc is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime even better this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment no maintenance required improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with juvederm volux xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. I'm joined now, I'm delighted to say, by Baroness Jenny Jones, uh, who's from the Green Party, of course. She sits in the House of Lords and must be looking upon this debacle of democracy with some uh, chagrin. Uh, Jenny, very good uh, morning to you. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you very much for joining. It's a bit chilly, so I appreciate you coming down. Um, no I've got the gloves and the big coat on because uh, that's where we are. What on earth is going on? Well, uh, we, we've been saying this for the past few months, haven't mm. we? I mean, it really is a mess. And it's starting to look as if none of the amendments so far put out there are actually going to get passed today. It looks right. as if there just aren't enough MPs to support any of them. Um, and it probably really is time now to have some sort of citizens' assembly. It's something that Theresa May should have done as soon as she became Prime Minister two and a half years ago. A citizens' assembly 
of um, all sorts of people, non-governmental organisation groups from all over the UK to actually sit down and start to talk about what they think the best way forward is. Mm. Because the social division is so awful, we have to start thinking about not just what Parliament's going to do in the next few days, but also what the UK is going to do in the next yeah. couple of years. Let me take you back to what you said there about the referendum. Are you sure, uh, sorry, not about the referendum, it's about the amendments. Are you sure that none of these amendments that are being put down, like the Yvette Cooper Amendment um, and presumably the Graham Brady Amendment, are you saying none of those are going to be adopted? Well, I can only repeat what I hear on the radio sure. and on social media and so on, but it doesn't look as if there's enough support so mm. but who knows yeah. i'm not sure any of those people know whether or not their amendments are going to go, get through but it is hard at the moment because people are all over the place i mean mps are just changing their mind all the time yeah. as well well that's the trouble i don't think we've ever been in a more uncertain time politically in the sense where you can't find two people really either inside the houses of parliament or outside who agree on what brexit should be on how it should be done uh, on where we should go in terms of how our relationship is going forward with the European Union. You know, it's literally something that nobody can agree on. So does that not mean uh, that somebody has to find a way of, 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 of I mean, this is, in my view, the, the, the Prime Minister's job, find a way of, of forging all of this disagreement into something that we can all stand over? Well, that's exactly what a, a citizens' um, assembly would do, in uh. that it would come up with some ideas and present them to politicians. But um, it, it, you're right, it is the Prime Minister's job, or it's the job of the leader of the opposition. And neither of them is showing any leadership on no. this. Theresa May has picked up these red lines that she thought the referendum meant. Uh, one of them, of course, was um, ending freedom um, of movement, yes. and which I voted leave, but I did not vote for. That wasn't on the ballot paper. I talked all the way through the campaign about actually continuing with free movement because it's a healthy right. process. So, um, you know, Theresa May's red lines have brought us to this. She has not consulted enough. She's listened to hardline Brexiters who do not represent the rest of us. And so, um, what a mess. Yeah, well, indeed. I mean, she's also run it like a sort of one-woman committee, hasn't she? Because she tried to keep people happy and, in fact, has, has, has done the complete opposite and has made nobody happy because she's had to try to appease one side of the party another side of the party is over there saying that's not right. She's had to try to appease the, the, the House of Parliament, which hasn't worked. She's tried to appease Europe, which hasn't worked. I mean, what do you think from the European perspective will happen? Because we're hearing, obviously, that the one major stumbling block right now is the, is the backstop in Northern Ireland. Um, the Europeans are giving out a very strong message to say that that's not changing. There's absolutely no way that can be renegotiated. Now, if that is the case, and I'm not certain that it is because you can't always believe everything you hear, um, then there's nowhere to go, is there? Well, uh, we have to go somewhere. So it is a case of finding a route that, I mean, whether it's a general election or a citizens' assembly or um, some sort of agreement in Parliament amongst um, all these rogue MPs, yeah. uh, somehow it has to be done. And, it, it, I mean, to me, it started to look as if Article 50 has to be either pulled or it has to be extended. I mean, there's no two ways around that. We are not going to be ready with all the legislation that we've got to get through. We're not going to be ready um, by, well, uh, next month. No, uh, it, to, doesn't, to, to it doesn't seem likely, does it? I mean, we've already. it doesn't seem that long since Christmas. It's already the end of January. Uh, so we're only looking at a couple of months, really. Um, but again, the trouble is that the people outside that I speak to and people that call this show on a regular basis are convinced 
that all of this is a stalling tactic, that all of this is a smokescreen, that nobody really in Westminster wants to leave the European Union, including Theresa May, by the way, even though she has to say she wants to. You know, and the sense is that all they're really doing is trying to delay and or prevent the inevitable. I think it's more cock-up than conspiracy, quite honestly. Uh -huh. I don't think they expected to be here at this stage. Well, mo most of us didn't, anyway. Um, I would imagine that most of us don't want to crash out with a no-deal on the no-deal option because that is... A lot of is, the people do is, because they just want to get on with it. No, I, I can understand that, but I'm not sure if it's having the no-deal situation or if they just want all this over. I mean, mm. it's impossible to turn the radio on or, or TV on and not hear Brexit, Brexit, Brexit all day. And most of us are getting totally yeah. fed up with it. Well, I have to say, if you listened to my show last week on Talk Radio, we hardly did it at all. <laughs> However, I mean, one of the things I did do last Friday was to say one of the problems that we face in this country at the moment is that everybody's telling us how terrible everything's going to be. And actually, what we could do with is a bit more positivity because, you know, Britain is a very resilient country. We have been through many things in the past. We will, be, we will go through many things in the future. And people were absolutely loving it. They rang in and said, this is what we need. This is how we want to be talked to. We don't wish to be told every minute that our society is going down the gurgler that you know the rich and the poor are at each other's throats we don't want to be told by Theresa May that unless this happens you know we'll have a terrible situation with Europe we don't want the Europeans telling us that it's all a disaster you know people actually want to believe in something but nobody's giving them anything to believe in I, what can I say you're absolutely right and uh, I, I mean part of, part of the problem is that because we haven't had any sort of agreement nationally mm. on what Brexit should look like yeah. then even you know people who voted leave like me I think are giving up and feeling uh, we have made such a mess of it it might be time for us just to say fair dues we tried it has not worked. We messed it up. And uh, we should withdraw Article 15 stay in. And there are people who think like that. Right. There may well me. be, uh, because it is very, very difficult. But again, the trouble for, for, with, 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 from my point of view with something like that is that that is exactly what the Remainers want, isn't it? They want to kind of just basically kind of bore you to death. Uh, with their continual blockages and their continual shaking of the head and their continual sort of hands up saying, stop, you can't do this, it's too hard. You know, I mean, for example, I've heard people making the argument, you know, because it's such a hard thing to do, we shouldn't do it. To me, it sounds a bit like Stockholm Syndrome. You know, we can't leave the kidnappers because it's too difficult. You know, we can't bury our, uh, bury our way out of Colditz because, you know, they're holding us too, too tightly and it's a, it's, a, you know, it's a nasty prisoner of war camp. You know, I mean, this is not what we're used to. Watch out with the World War Two um, analogies because I think they're not appropriate. This well, of is course not... it is. No, Why because isn't it? we are not fighting the EU on this. We're actually fighting amongst ourselves. Yeah, That's yeah. what's happening. Well, no, but we people are, are not... saying no. But in this particular instance, the reason I'm using it is because Stockholm syndrome. Well, I could have used a Beirut example. No, Stockholm if you like. syndrome is Stockholm syndrome yep. is when somebody holds you captive and you can't get away because you think it's too difficult. Yes, but I don't think it's the EU holding us captive. I actually think it's the confusion amongst the Conservative Party. They have actually brought us to this huge, huge mess, and they've done it because they have not consulted, they haven't brought people in, they haven't even talked to the Labour Party, you know, and I, I realise... Well, they asked the Labour Party to talk to them, they've talked to some members no, of the Labour I, Party, well, but I, they haven't spoken to Jeremy Corbyn because he refuses to talk to them. I know, I think that's stupid. It really I is. Think J Jeremy Corbyn really ought to grow up on that, you know, mm. when he's managed to talk to an awful lot of other people, he, he really has. ought to have engaged with the Prime Minister. Yes. And you can't have this idea, I mean, I don't want a no deal, but I would not have gone into talk saying take no deal off the table or I won't go in. Yeah. You actually have to go in prepared to listen to everything and then find some sort of common ground. This hasn't happened at any stage. Theresa May appears, I don't know, I haven't been there, appears to have met small groups of people 
And all of the ones who met her seem to be saying, oh, she was really listening, mm. you know, but she still hasn't budged. Not an iota. She's quite an obstinate woman, it seems to me. I think she's got this Christian conviction that she's absolutely right. She's picked up on something, you know, that she thinks we want as a nation with that But except she doesn't want it, so she's trying to sell us something that she doesn't believe in, unfortunately. Which um, I think is part of the problem, don't that you? Might, that might be part of the yeah. problem. The fallout, the fury, the future. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster. Uh, order! On Talk, Talk Radio. Radio. Now, I'm wrapped up here in a parka, which is good for temperatures as low as minus 20 degrees. I've got gloves on. Uh, I've got boots on. Andrew Bridges has just turned up wearing what can only be described as a very nice, summery-looking kind of uh, purple suit. Looking very elegant, Mr. Bridgen, I must say. Well, thank you very much. And you, do, you don't look cold at all, either. That's because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a tough a Midlander. Hardy type from, the, from north, north of Edgware, as far as I'm concerned. Now, what is going on? What are you hearing over, in, over the road? Well, there's a lot of uh, amendments being laid. Uh, some of them are clearly to frustrate uh, Brexit, delay it, um, usurp the power of the government and Parliament take over. Others pertain to be trying to get the Prime Minister out of a hole. But I think it's quite clever what Number 10 have done. They've tried to focus all opposition to the withdrawal agreement as if it's purely on the mm. backstop, right. uh, as this is the big problem. If that could be, could be uh, altered, then everything's good. Well, as far as I'm concerned, there's a lot of problems with the withdrawal agreement, not less the £39 billion pounds yes. that we're now paying to talk about a future relationship instead of paying for a, a future relationship. The analogy I would use, that's like, being invited to buy a second-hand car for £5,000 and arriving there and saying, no, 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 you have to hand over £5,000 to talk about <laughs> buying the second-hand car. Uh, it doesn't sound like a deal to me. And also, I've got major, major concerns about the direction of the protocol on the future relationship. It talks about a ever-closer customs union. It doesn't sound to me like the European Union are planning on us having a free trade uh, being able to do free trade deals and having an independent trade policy at any time in the near future. And I think we've got to be very, very clear. I believe that the relationship, however we negotiate it with the EU, if we go into, through the withdrawal agreement, the relationship the EU have got in mind for us is the backstop. Yeah. That's where they see us, mm. uh, where they will be out of Europe but controlled by Europe, not able to do free trade deals and a captive market for their overpriced EU goods and collecting their tariffs. Sure. Well, it doesn't sound to me, whenever you hear anything coming out of the European Union, they're talking to us as equal negotiating partners, as it were. It doesn't appear to be uh, that they are kind of giving us anything other than their permission to do certain well, things. Well, let's be clear. They, they've admitted that, you know, the withdrawal agreement was drawn up in Brussels and it was it was then presented. Right. It wasn't a joint a declaration, mm. that, 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 that withdrawal agreement. And as I think they've been very clear, uh, perhaps over-candid, the EU have said, you know, they've got everything they want out of that withdrawal agreement. It keeps us exactly where they want us. Um, no wonder they're so keen on, uh, on, on getting it pushed through. So in that case, how does that change? How is it possible for Theresa May, as Boris Johnson said this morning, uh, to sort of roll up her sleeves and, and turn up in Brussels ready for a fight uh, to, to, to get more concessions? Well, I think it has caught a bit of panic in the EU. We've seen um, remarks over the very, very um, ridiculous remarks over the Irish border, uh, which has been used, created as a political stick with which to beat us with yeah. throughout these negotiations. When We, we already know that before it became a, a political football, um, 
a declaration, a joint declaration by HMRC Northern Ireland and Customs and Excise in the Republic had said the, the current infrastructure was quite sufficient to deal with a post-Brexit border in, in any circumstances. And if we left under WTO rules, the WTO have already ruled that given the security concerns over the border, we, we'd be excused ever having a hard border in Northern Ireland anyway. So it is a creation to... to create a situation where we have to have the backstop and that is the ultimate aim of the European Union either through negotiation or through being in the backstop that's the relationship they want to have with us and it is a very uh, you know master servant vassal state um, yeah. relationship. You, I mean is it possible as well and I know that you know we're not that fond of conspiracy theories here on this show but I mean is it possible that they knew when they put that in that that would be an absolute no 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 for, uh, for for an awful lot of members of the Conservative Party yourself included. Well, I think Mr Barnier made a declaration, I think it was in 2016 after the referendum, when he was appointed as the EU's chief negotiator, that his mission was to create a deal that was so bad for the UK mm. uh, that we wouldn't leave. Right. Well, what he hasn't bargained for is, I think, the the spirit uh, of the British people, who were undiminished by Project Fear, um, and... The option we do have is to leave without a deal uh, on WTO terms, the way we trade with most of the world. And from my point of view, you know, we've been in the European Union for over 45 years. The cell door will actually be open on at 11pm on the 29th of March. I think the British people have got the will, and it's growing, to walk out that door. It's just a shame we don't have politicians in our country with as much courage as the British people willing to walk out the door of the cell, because I think we're going to see major efforts to sabotage, delay, stop Brexit tomorrow. Yeah, well, we are seeing that already, and we have seen it for quite some time now, and I think the people are beginning to see through it as well, to the point where basically they are not going to be hoodwinked any longer, and they're going to see that this filibustering and this kind of permanent road blockage uh, stuff that's going on um, is going to be really, really bad news for an awful lot of, of MPs sitting in the Houses of Parliament because no matter what anybody says, and I know that everybody's got a different view and they talk to other people and different people, but by far and away, the majority of those that I hear talking on talk radio, people that ring us in uh, and tell us what they think, they want Parliament to get on with what they were told to do, which was to leave the European Union, and they really don't care how it happens. You know, and they're not as finessed about it as you will be and as many other MPs will be in the sense of knowing every single piece of legislation which is going to happen happen, knowing about every single, you know, meaningful paragraph in, in the document, you know, but they just want it over with. This has been going on for way too well, long, and we certainly don't want it to, to, to go on for another nine months. Well, if we leave under the withdrawal agreement, I could see us spending two years in transition, which is not actually transition. What you're talking about is, is well, it's not even a withdrawal agreement, it's a staying in agreement. The yeah. only thing you'd notice difference is we wouldn't have any MEPs anymore and our commissioners and officials in the EU would come back. We'd be still under all the EU rules. We'd probably have that extended for another two years, that's four years. Then we go into the backstop and you know, we wouldn't have left the European Union under the withdrawal agreement probably seven, eight, nine years after. And then we'll carry on talking about Brexit and our relationship with the European Union. We promised the British people, and it was in the uh, propaganda leaflet that came out to every household before the referendum from David Cameron, that we were you know, leaving the single market, the customs union, the jurisdiction of the European Court of Justice. Yeah. Leaving on WTO on the, at 11pm on the 29th of March is the cleanest, it's the cheapest. We wouldn't be crashing out, we'll be cashing in. We won't be handing over £39 billion. 20 of that is for the transition period. If we don't have the transition period, we're certainly not paying over 20 billion of it. We can argue about the other 19 billion of our so-called divorce bill. Um, 
and then we can have the free trade deal that we want. We can immediately open up talks under, I think it's Section 24 of GATT, Article 24, 5C, which allows us to offer free trade discussions with the European Union. If they accept, we've got then 10 years where we can have tariff-free, quota-free trade, exactly as we've got now with the European Union, while we seal that Super Canada-style free trade agreement. 10 years, tariff-free, quota-free trade. The EU would be very, very sensible to accept that, and I would be willing to pay over some of the divorce bill to ensure that there was no disruption on their behalf, which, at the end of the day, when we've got a, a trade deficit with them of 50%, so about £100 billion more they sell to us in goods than we sell to them, it's hugely in their interest to accept that. Well, you would think so. The trouble is, though, Andrew, and you know this better than anyone, um, it sounds good, it sounds easy to organise, it sounds um, possible even to, uh, to negotiate with the European Union, but there's so many people behind us in the Houses of Parliament there who don't want that to happen. I just wonder how we're going to get through this kind of impasse. How, how do you see it kind of finally being played out to the point where there is some agreement on something? Because at the moment, there's no agreement on anything. In a way, for those of us who are well, I, leaving with no deal at all on WTO is suboptimal. I wanted a super Canada free trade deal, but we can go straight into that the moment that we leave the European Union. Um, the fact is that if nothing... Nothing changes, no legislation passes. We are leaving without a deal on the 29th of March at 11pm. And it is, it is easier to stop something happening yeah. than to make it happen. So if there is no agreement about anything, um, we can defeat all these amendments. We're still leaving mm. on the 29th of March at 11pm, as we promised the British people. And that's what I'm going to be working for. Unless Yvette Cooper's amendment, which may or may not be added to the, uh, to the, the joyous bill tomorrow, um, uh, if she gets that through... Then I, think, I, think, I think you know and I know that the Speaker is going to choose that amendment. I would imagine so. I would be absolutely shocked and stunned if he does given, not. Given his track record. <laughs> the, man, the man who wears it his... It would be extraordinary, wouldn't it? The man who wears his political allegiance on his bumper sticker. Indeed. Or on his wife's bumper sticker, as he would say, because, of course, it wasn't his car. Allegedly. He yeah. I wonder if he claims petrol on it. But that's another story. Here's the thing, though. Um... Say, for example, that, go, that does go on the bill, that is an amendment which is voted upon tomorrow. First of all, will it win? Will she win that amendment, do you think? Are there enough people in there that would vote for it? Well, I think it's down to your listeners to, uh, to uh, lobby. It's, it's very straightforward to email your Member of Parliament. You can yeah. Google it and let them know that you're not happy with the, uh, the Cooper Adonis yes. amendment. Lord Adonis, remember him? Oh, yeah, yeah, the and unelected he's, Lord Adonis. Yeah, just, he's, I mean, Brexit has really tipped him over the edge, I think. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I do not know why, why so many programmes put him on. He is good, good value. But well, I, mean, I think he just I hangs he's, around he's, a lot. He's absolutely lost, he's his, cheap. lost his marbles uh, over, over Brexit. He is one of the unelected elite, and um, he doesn't like... Um, Democracy. He's never been a great no. believer in it. I don't think. Well, I don't he think knows best. He's never had to uh, be the sufferer or the recipient of democracy. I think he he's actually never actually stood he, for election. I think he claims he, he was elected as a Liberal Democrat councillor once. Oh, really? I wouldn't shout about that, would you? I wouldn't. No, no. Because no. no, we're always hearing about a Lib Dem uh, revival in the councils, and then it comes to naught in any other uh, aspect of politics, doesn't it? Well, it's interesting. I mean, I heard an anecdote from uh, some of the staff at the House of Commons that they'd seen representatives of the Liberal Democrat mm. Party uh, paying the anti-Brexit protesters outside, the ones <laughs> that keep annoying us on the on the green here. The one paying them? Yes. Well, uh, that's a terrible allegation. That's a that. terrible allegation. Well, no, certainly, be, certainly uh, brown envelopes were being passed over, yeah. I've heard. Well, maybe that was just a, a piece of paper. 
It may, may have been anything. I Could don't know. Been. I think uh, questions need to be asked, don't Well, I mean, you're the man that can ask the questions. Absolutely. You're in the mother of all parliaments there. I mean, you can ask the questions. The home of in democracy. The, in the chamber the without fear democracy. of being sued. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm not in the same position, sadly. So we'll have to cast aspersions on that one. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We're live on College Green down in Westminster. It's a little bit on the chilly side, but the sun is shining, uh, and it could be an awful lot worse. In fact, it might be an awful lot worse by the time tomorrow arrives when the snow supposedly comes. Uh, we were just talking to Andrew Bridge and the Tory MP, uh, massive uh, lever and the Brexiteer, of course, a hard Brexiteer, in fact, wants to leave by WTO rules. Tom Brake is now with me, uh, Lib Dems Brexit spokesman, MP for Carl Shulton and Wallington, uh, who I would probably describe as about as far away from that position uh, as you could get. Tom, Absolutely. A very good morning to you. Welcome back <laughs> to the tent. Thank you. Now, it's not exactly uh, the sort of clement weather that we were hoping for, but um, what's going on uh, behind us in the Palace of Westminster? I've been asking um, all morning, all the people that have been coming on, what sorts of amendments have been discussed? Do you know or do you have a clue as to what uh, Mr. Burko is likely to adopt? Um, we're told we might not find out until tomorrow. Um, what, what are you hearing? Well, I, I don't think we will find out until tomorrow what um, Mr. Burko is going to allow to be debated. I, I suspect it'll probably be three or four amendments. Yeah. Uh, and just looking, I'd, I'd expect the Labour one, of course, because they're the the, the official opposition, uh, although not often on Brexit. But um, is that when you say the Labour one? You mean the Yvette Cooper one? The, no, well, I, I mean the Jeremy Corbyn one. Okay. Um, yeah. So, and then I suspect Yvette Cooper's as well because she has quite a. A, a good representation from all the parties, including the Lib Dems, yeah. but also not just the, the Conservatives, a small group who support the idea of a people's vote, but a wider group than that, including, for instance, Nicky Morgan, uh, Nick Bowles and Oliver Letwin. So yeah. I'd be very surprised if that one isn't called. And then there are others such as the, the, the Caroline Spellman and Jack Dromey one, which is about uh, ruling out no deal. Um, so there are a number, which are perhaps three or four, that I think are probably front runners in terms of... Uh, uh, of ones that the speaker may select and then there's the question of which if any of the conservative ones uh, the ones that are trying to find a way of writing out the backstop or getting rid of the backstop which yeah. i suspect the speaker will choose one of one of those as well yeah just so it looks as though he's not absolutely uh, just kind of queering the pitch as it were absolutely absolutely yeah i and mean clearly he can't he can't accept amendments that are defective but mm. but um so which uh, I think the last time round, some of the, the ones around the back, backstop were uh, defective, right. but presumably they're, they're better structured this time round. OK. Now, as far as the old uh, vote goes, though, tomorrow, we're now sort of, we're, we're kind of downplaying it, I suppose, to an extent, in the sense that it's not as meaningful as we once thought it was going to be, uh, certainly not as binding as we once thought it was going to be. So, in a way, the amendments are more important than the main part of the bill, aren't they? Well, I think the amendments are... are Although they're not binding, they they will give a very clear steer. So, for instance, if the Yvette Cooper's amendment secures the support of more than 325 MPs, in other words, more than a majority of MPs in the House of Commons, yeah. and her, her amendment, in effect, is about seeking an extension to Article 50, if a majority of MPs vote for that, it's hard to see how the government can simply turn around and say, well, thanks, but, but no thanks. 
Well, it, it's hard to see, but by the same token, because it isn't binding, they could do that, I suppose. I mean, because the, the, the sense that a lot of people are getting now is that it's Parliament that's, that's holding up the delay, if you like, uh, for, for want of a better phrase. It's Parliament uh, that is making this more difficult than it needs to be. It's Parliament uh, that is throwing all of the kind of roadblocks in the way of what some people see as their democratic vote. Well, uh, all I would say is that, of course, that the Prime Minister came forward with her deal, which she thought represented that the embodiment of that, uh, of that vote, and it was defeated by 230 votes. So I think the, the one thing we do know is that nothing at all is simple or straightforward about delivering Brexit. No, indeed. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So if you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.